Oh, we're we are live. live. Are we live right now? We are live, yep. Oh my god, I better do the intro. Welcome back everybody to the Crump or Dice Trying podcast. We are the competitive, non-competitive podcast for people who are trying to get into the 40k hobby, more specifically into the tournament scene. We have recently been to a big event, one of the largest in the UK, called Beachhead Brawl, and we're together tonight to talk about that. Uh, myself, Ross James, we have got Jack Chapman. Hello. And we have got Jamie Fowler. Good evening, everybody. We went to Beachhead Brawl last weekend, and I think we had, between the three of us, we had what you probably would say is a average experience, actually. Um, we we'll go for it in a bit more detail but we had different paths and we experienced the event in three slightly different ways which is actually really interesting for you guys to stick around and listen to but before we get into that jack's just going to explain a little bit about our podcast name thanks ross so yes just a quick note we were called the Crumpcast. we've now rebranded to crump or dice trying uh, that's to be in line with our team for us, it just makes sense to have both the team and the podcast have the same name. Awesome. Thank you, Jack. So basically, Beachhead Brawl is what we're talking about today. And it was a, a two-day event, six games at a pretty... I think we, we were all surprised at the kind of the competitive level that it was at. There, I didn't meet any bad players there, other than myself, uh, looking in the mirror in the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't meet any bad players there. Everybody was pretty much... At a very high standard and I think we all experienced that you were able to do a game on Friday just to make your Saturday a little bit easier and we all we all jumped on that to make our lives a bit easier and have a bit of a lane on the Saturday morning and we're going to go through our Friday games now I think we'll probably start with our most successful member of the team Jamie Fowler and how he did on his Friday evening game Oh, good evening, gents. Yeah, so I um, well, yeah, we all went down on the Friday, didn't we? And um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do. Um, felt like a good opportunity to get a game in early. And I, I remember saying to you both on the way down, if uh, if I walk in that hall and there's uh, there's big player T-shirts everywhere, can we just leave our game till the Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there was uh, there was quite a few big players there. So, but anyway, I had um, I can't remember the name of the guy, but I lined up against an Imperial Agents player. I think he's quite well known in the local area because he he just plays Imperial Agents. I think you guys may know who he is. Not by name. I've certainly uh, seen him around at tournaments, but uh, unfortunately, uh, not his name. Simon, maybe, I want to say. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, if he knows who he is out there, thanks for a great first game. It's funny, because driving down, I listened to the previous episode, and uh, yeah, chess clocks came up. And uh, it was ironic, really, because first game in, he said, look, let's use a chess clock. And I was like, yeah, let's go with it. It was my first competitive game with a chess clock. I was a little bit nervous. It's almost like stepping in front of, you know, a well-known player. You think, oh, am I ready for this? Um, my first GT, chess clock. But I went with it. I thought, no, it's the right thing to do, you know, and you can't refuse it at a competitive game. So went with it. I didn't really know what to expect with Imperial Agents. That's what threw me out. Just a complete mixture of all things Imperium. So it was a really close game. 
I didn't really threaten my Votan in terms of damage output. And I think I was maybe a little bit naive in that respect. I should have gone harder. He really, he played fixed secondaries. Um, so he came out and basically tried to overwhelm me with just chaff, basically. Threw a lot up the board. And ironically, uh, we ran out of time on the chess clock. And it came down to the fact that um, I had a, well, I went second. So I had an activation left with my land fortress that... And it was a super close game. Um, and I lost by two points. But yeah, I'm not, not sure how I felt about the chess clock at the end of that first game. It was a difficult one. I don't know if you guys want to recollect your first chess clock experience at all. Well, I'm happy to chime in on yours. Because um, rather cruelly, I was finding it quite entertaining. But um, yeah, you were, you were on the clock there. And I sort of I finished my game. I was talking to Ross and he was in sort of the dying stages of his game and you were still on turn three it was um yeah it's it's not fair to laugh maybe but uh, I, I did i must admit to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh i think my opponent had so many models as well it was like christ and i remember constantly look checking the clock and thinking oh, i'm doing all right here i'm doing all right here he's taking ages on this turn it's gonna be all right and then my crucial turns came around and i think the chess clock just melted on me but I think I didn't keep as sharp an eye on it as I maybe should have, because I think you pointed out a couple of times that maybe the clock was ticking down on the wrong side when I should have been more sharp with it. So it, it did throw me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I think, and I think the difference between taking the clock yourself and being put on someone else's clock is, I guess you're more prepared. Like if, you, if you're taking the clock, you're more conscious about hitting it, I guess, rather than that pressure of, oh God, someone's putting me on the clock. Yeah, 100%. Will you be buying one going forwards? It's funny, isn't it? Because we had a chat after the game and I said, God, I found it a bit intimidating, I won't lie. But then you guys sort of said, look, you mustn't find it that way because it's really about you having the opportunity to make sure that your army gets to play their half of the game. Because what you can find is if you play a horde army or someone that has a lot of models, whether through intention or not, they end up adversely using your time in the game, which means then you effectively lose out on winning the game through lack of activation. So yeah, I'm I'm in the pro camp. I even though I lost my game and it felt bad at the time that we couldn't just say, right, can we just we're on bottom end of turn five, can we not just see this out? Ultimately, you know, my opponent obviously wants to win the game, he's gonna say no, sorry bud you know, I'll allow you to activate the final unit that you're doing right now, which I think was fair, all things considered. It did feel bad, but my first experience with the clock, take it as an experience. Um, yeah. That was kind of where I went with it, you know? I, I, I do think it was fair, because we had three hours as a round time, so, we, we you know, we had an inordinate amount of time to play a game. Um, I think it's unfortunate, maybe, that it probably was counting down on you when it shouldn't have been. Um, a few times and and that could have ranged from you know the two minutes that I maybe watched to through to you know entire chunks of your turn which could have been five or ten minutes so I think it's good to just be able to take that learning away from the game really I did yeah because all on all I had a good pleasant game with the guy you know he knew his army very well he was a fair opponent he played the game well you know I haven't, can't really have any complaints it was a good tight close game but I think, obviously, our first tournament GT game, 
the desire to win is there and, and that's what comes down so I was like right let's just shake on this be a gentleman about it there's tomorrow start afresh and um, yeah I was uh, ready and revved to buy a chess clock so to speak <laughs> excellent <laughs> Ross how was, uh, how was your first game mate <clears throat> to clear my throat to prepare you for this <laughs> so before the event, I was very confident going into this, thinking um, I was going to do quite well, as you as you might have heard in the last podcast. I did do a, a bit of a, a bit of a switch because the data slate happened, and I decided to take my custodians army because it's one that I haven't used very much, but it's one that I wanted to use but haven't done due to the devastating wounds sort of shenanigans where you can't have a, a four up against it because it's a dev wound, not a mortal wound. That got changed. So I thought now is an ideal opportunity to not take orcs and take a custodies list. You know, that's fair enough. There was a lot of custodies there. I think there was 14, 15 players of custodies. And I did a test game with custodies versus my orcs, both my lists, and the custodies demolished the orcs. So I thought, if I'm going to play against orcs, I'm going to win. If I'm going to play against custodies, at least it's a mirror match rather than being demolished. That was my logic. Having not had much experience with custodies i would say that my list was suboptimal i'm not blaming my results on the list because i think a better player would have been able to win better or more games with that list regardless it was my lack of experience that has held me back but that's one of the reasons why we we go to these events isn't it is to learn and develop our skills and strategies so that was my mindset going in i was i was tentatively hopeful that i would do well and I went down on the Friday, met up with you guys. Um, I was there a little bit early, so I had a bit of time to relax. I, you know, I was very much relaxed going into the, the first game. And I paired against, well, initially, actually, Jack, you and I paired with each other. And we just yeah, said we to the TO, look, we, 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 there's, there's, what, 160-odd or, or more people in this tournament. We've traveled down together. We play regularly. And now we're playing our first game together. It doesn't feel great. And the TO was like, okay, yeah, just swap with the people next to you. Uh, and funnily enough, it was a custodies player and an orc player. So I got the orc player, you got the custodies player. And I was pretty confident going into this matchup that I know how orcs work. They'll come at me turn two. They'll probably kill some custodies. And then I'll smack them back, wipe them off the table. That was my assumption. And I couldn't have been more wrong about that assumption. It was, it was hilariously wrong, in fact, because... We got to the WAR stage in his turn, and I had staged in a, in a in a way that I was allowing him to hit me in where I wanted him to hit me, and I, I actually ran away in certain places so that his WAR couldn't happen. And his he actually said to me that this is the best WAR turn he's ever had in his entire forty k <laughs> career, or, to, or or you know whatever you call it a career. He just couldn't not wound me. Everything wounded me. And to sort of pile onto that, I couldn't even roll a three-up save. I think at one point I had to make six three-up saves and I failed five of them. I made one of them and it was just horrendous. So my custodies melted off the battle. Uh, by turn three, I think I had two Alarus, a couple of guard and my grav tank left. And look, I'm not blaming the dice. I'm not blaming my list on that my brain just didn't work like he was he's a custodies player as well and he was reminding me of my own rules he was really good he's a lovely bloke real 
standout player and he actually helped me and he I think I was firing my, my grav tank at him at, at one point and uh, it's got twin linked and I just completely I knew it had twin linked but I forgot and um, I think I found a couple of wounds like it's got twin links, man. Do you want to roll? Do you want to re-roll your wounds? I was like, yes, thank you. So like, he was playing one and a half games because he was playing his own game as well as my own. That I just wasn't in the frame of mind. I don't know what happened. Can't explain it. My brain turned off. Um, it was still relatively close though. I think it was 80, 81 to eighty-five. So even without me, my brain working, it was pretty close. And that sort of backs up my data about orcs into custodies. Had I played how I normally play and then had I actually remembered my rules probably would have won but that's all in the wash I even thinking about it and I'm going to go on about this one because this is the worst game of my life <laughs> um at, at the, in turn one I had um my Calidus assassin on an objective in no man's land and I managed to advance a guard unit onto the mid objective and I drew cleanse as a secondary on turn one I had two units on those objectives i had no threat i could have just cleansed them but my brain just looked at that card and went i can't do cleanse and i discarded it for a cp so there's five points i just basically just threw away which might have won me the game so i don't know what happened it's one of those ones where i just my body was there but my spirit was somewhere else um yeah so that's how my first game went how about you jack it uh, it, it did look pretty brutal <laughs> i was I was on the table next to you and uh, yeah, after sort of making jokes after we had that sort of practice weekend around Tim's making jokes about you not being able to roll four ups and then yeah, that just insane sort of war turn and uh, you just picking up, scooping up models. Yeah, it was horrendous. I had a, a similar experience. My first game was also a loss. I played against a chap called Matt Byrne. He was uh, running a custodies list. It was, and we will put these lists uh, in the show notes. There'll be a link to all of the lists um, from the weekend that we played against and the lists that we ran. He was running the sort of Blade Champion, Trajan, and a lot of Custodian Guard squads. It was Search and Destroy, much like your games. And I made the mistake of deploying a little too close to him. And he was able to turn one blade champion advance and charge me unfortunately he rolled uh, a six on the advance which as many of you know uh, search and destroy the sort of closest points are around nine ten inches i think and the furthest is like 18 so yeah he was he was able to get into my lines immediately with you know four or five custodian guard plus uh, the blade champion that led to the death of fugan the, de- the deaths of five swooping hawks three uh, sh- sh- three shroud runners and uh, and also a war walker locked up in combat and allowed him to then pile into my D cannon and pull that into combat. So right from the very start of the game, I was I was on the back foot. I was crippled. Now I'm running a, a, a 20, 20 unit MSU Eldari list, a flying circus for want of a better description. I play behind enemy lines, deploy homers. So I can just sling a unit forwards every turn and, and almost automatically score it. But this sort of really put me on the back foot. And I had to then spend my first turn shooting effectively my entire army at this one squad. You know, I'm talking a couple of war walkers, the D cannon would fall back and shoot. Fugan has stood back up at this point and is shooting two fire prisms. 
uh, warps. I brought warp spiders over. Yeah, it was it was horrendous, and uh, the blade champion was still alive at the end of all of that. <laughs> yes. So the rest of the game was was very much me running away all over the map with my uh, you know circus of squads trying to score, going to I guess the objectives where he wasn't or where he was weakest, trying to to pull him apart. And it was very much him just slowly trudging through my lines, um, ripping apart whatever he came up against. And uh, it was it was actually a fantastic game. We had a lot of fun. I lost seventy nine to eighty two. I think there was there was a judge call that I didn't I accepted, but I didn't agree with. Uh, which which was a, as a custodian, you can one CP stick in objective. Matt sort of went moved on to the middle objective, and then and then stickied it in the same phase before sort of moving off it to charge something and. Uh, I sort of challenge that you can't do that. You, you can't, you don't own the objective until the phase ends, the end of phase. But the TO uh, said that the stratagem to sticky it says in the phase and the end of the phase is still during, you know, sorry, the stratagem says during the phase and at the end of the phase we're still during the phase. So it was usable, which is fine. That, um, I think that cost me five points, which was a little painful, but ultimately... You know, I shouldn't have deployed that close. If I hadn't, then um, maybe it would have been a different game. Yeah, but I had good fun. Awesome. Yeah, so we all had mixed results. Well, we all lost, basically, didn't we? But we had mixed games, I think. You know, we all learned a lesson on that one. Jamie's got the timing. I've got the fact that I just turned up and had no idea what I was doing. And it sounds like, Jack, you had a really close, fair game that um, could have gone either way. So we went home. Well... You two went out for dinner. I decided to do solo night out mission and just had a few beers. <laughs> drowned in <your> sorrows. <laughs> Drown, I drowned in my sorrow. Yeah, I absolutely drowned in my sorrows. I needed I needed a, a couple of Swifties to get me uh, back in the phone. Looking mind. for his orc army in the pub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was I was wallowing in my own self pity. But anyway, on to day two. So because we'd done our game on a Friday. We didn't actually have to do our second game until one o'clock that Saturday afternoon, which gave us a lot of time to have a nice sleep and we could have breakfast and go into game two fairly relaxed, look around the event, which I think you'll both agree was phenomenal. There wasn't just 40k there. There was all sorts of different events. There was traders. There was cosplay. Beachhead Brawl is an exceptional event, isn't it? I think you'll all agree. Yeah, it was um, there was so much to see there. I was really impressed. I mean, my only other big event um, would have been Warhammer Fest last year. And this, I mean, if anyone from Warhammer was actually there, they probably want to be paying attention to how good a show Beachhead put on because they could learn a thing or two, I think, really appreciate that they're, um, they are stuck to, you know, GW products. But, you know, there were so many traders there and, yeah. It was, it was impressive. It was nice and interactive, wasn't it? It was. We stopped at this table. This guy had designed his own. Uh, it was like a six millimeter scale, uh, age of gunpowder sort of game. Oh, that was awesome! On, yeah. On a grid, and you know, he took the time to really explain it to us for for a good ten minutes. How he'd come up with the idea, why he'd come up with the idea, and uh, yeah, it was just really engaging and. You know, People around all of the stands. There was a giant sort of uh, titan. I don't know what they actually call it when they, you know, they take these thousand pound titans and they, you know, they had like 
I don't know, 20, 30 of them aside, and they were just having a massive all-day battle. The that... Titan Owners Club. I think that's what they go by. Ah, okay. Yeah, that looked, that looked bloody brilliant. <laughs> I compare them to... Um... Like when I was a teenager and a bit of a boy racer, like you'd be like the member of like the Ford Escort Owners Club. They're like that. <laughs> They're like so dedicated and they spend so much money on these, what I can only describe as infant sized Titans. It's like having a child with you. They are massive. Like I remember saying to you, Jack, look at the how they dwarf a regular 40K like Chaos Knight stood next to it. It makes it look like you know like a space marine in some terms of size they are huge yeah it was i don't think i'd never seen them side by side i think i've only ever maybe maybe only seen one of those you know tr- proper titans ever before but yeah to see it against those knights it was it was crazy scale difference yeah that's a lot of money you just think wow you guys are committed like fair play to them they obviously enjoy it but that is like that's like their game it's like their 40k isn't it they do anything else all weekend they literally sit and they just it's even like moving them around is like moving a toddler around. I mean, I've got two young children, like, and I just I remember seeing the guy like almost kind of bending over and putting both arms underneath this Titan to waddle it forward, and it was like it's like he wanted to start whispering to it, "Come on, move forward, baby Jack, <laughs> you'll be okay. Just shoot your guns now." You just think, oh "My God, what an investment." Yeah, it's very impressive in that the whole the whole event. Um, there's just it, it's it tells for everybody. It's not just 40k. It's just all war go- all war gamers in general. I think there's something for everybody there. And going into after lunch, we had our first game. So I was more awake. I was more in the room for game two, and I was pleased to be paired against a guy called Ruben, and he was bringing his world eaters. And I had a very quick Google on the toilet while I was um, doing my pre-match warm-up and found out that custodies on paper go very well into World Eaters, which I kind of assumed as the superior melee army. So I went into that match too feeling pretty confident. I was awake, I was feeling good, and it was priority targets, hidden supplies, and search and destroy. If you want to know if you can figure that out in your brain, now you can picture the scene. So... He had a very standard pre-nerf World Eaters list. You've got Angron, you've got some 8-bound, but the Master of Executioners and another character who I didn't actually get to learn the name of because I'd killed him by turn one. And it, I, all I can say about this match is I felt bad for the guy because I went first and I thought, well, Custodes, they're good in melee. World Eaters want to get into melee. My sort of advantage is being on objectives with my fight first and minus one damage. So I'm going to let him come to me, essentially. And his turn one, he just sort of didn't charge me. He staged. He put his rhinos on the north side of the board, got out one of his units of five berserkers with the Master of Executioners and sort of moved Angron and his Demon Prince up. He had two two war dogs they weren't brigands or carnivores they were whatever the other non-played ones are so i thought his list was a little bit weak with his sort of war dog choice but my turn two basically i I, I basically killed half of his army in in one swoop so the, the worst part was i went up with trajan and another squad of wardens his unit of berserkers that he'd gotten out i 
took them off the board with shooting. Then his rhino next to him, next to them, he had a 10 unit of berserkers with another unit, uh, with another character in it. I then used Trajan's unit and my wardens to wrap that rhino completely. And I think I shot one of his war dogs off the board of my tank. My combat phase comes around. I kill the rhino. Because it's wrapped, he then has to do the emergency disembarkation. He loses three of his berserkers. He charges me then in his turn, thinking it'll be okay because he fights on death. I fought first. I killed every single one of those models. And then on his fight's death, fights on death roll, he needed fours on seven dice. He didn't roll a single four for his entire unit. So he got no fights on death of his berserkers. His leader automatically does it. So he did a couple of attacks with that and I saved everything. So I think I also had killed his other war dog by then. I'd killed his demon prince. And I think Angron was down to three wounds. So by turn three, he looked at me and said, I might as well just concede. Um, I said, well, if you do that, you're going to get no points because that's what it says in the book in the, in the player pack so we probably should just carry on and see what we can score and I, I, yeah by turn four he had been tabled i lost i don't even think i lost a, an entire unit of custodians it, i felt bad but i also felt good because i won you know there's a silver lining to it but it was a, a horrific match for that guy unfortunately it's just a bad matchup i think who won a game on on their first match as well i think we all won didn't we yeah we all won we all won didn't we so who wants to go next with their victorious first game on that saturday i'll uh, i'll go first then uh, so yeah i'll I'll go, go first, first i'll uh, i'll go first i'll uh, talk through talk through my second game uh certainly it was it was great to have the lion in the morning uh, i certainly needed it i had uh, an unwanted visitor to my hotel in the night i woke up to uh, to a banging on my hotel door but it was kind of that delirious state where was that my door? Why would anyone be banging on my door? No, it's probably not my door. So I just, you know, try and go back to sleep. But within three to five minutes, I can hear this insanely loud snoring in the corridor. And uh, so I get up. Being uh, being of the correct generation, I pick up my mobile phone, get, get the video out, and uh, go to the door. I pull it open and... And yet there is a fully grown man just lying slumped in front of my door, snoring his head off in the corridor. And uh, yeah, I woke him up and moved him on. My God, that was not what I expected on a Friday night in Bournemouth, but I don't recommend the travel lodge in the town centre. I will uh, I'll put a link to the video in the show notes, and so you may find it entertaining. Anyway, my first game, uh, it was an Eldari mirror. I, I'm sure you can imagine how many Eldari mirrors I've had to play so far this edition, given how strong we've been in the meta. So uh, I, was like, I was disappointed that of all of the people in the room, I'm now playing a mirror, but actually I quite enjoy the mirror because they're good opportunities to learn. And I was playing against a guy called Rob, uh, Rob Newton. And his list was very, very different to mine and very different to any Eldari list I'd seen. He was running the standard Autark Wayleaper, Warlord to get the extra CP running an avatar of Kane, but then he was also running a Farseer, uh, two guardian squads, uh, three wave serpents, some dire Avengers, a couple of fire prisms, uh, a warlock conclave with the Farseer, and then a few other things like scorpions and uh, reapers. And so 
I sort of started the game in this position of, oh, I, I, I don't really know how to approach this. I've got I've got a lot of anti-tank in my list. I wasn't too concerned there, but he's also got a lot of anti-infantry and I'm running a heavy 20, 20 uh, very weak, fragile Eldari squads. And I think I was fortunate enough to get first turn. It allowed me to sort of deliver a bit of an alpha strike. He actually put both of his fire prisms in reserves at the start of the game, which which caught me off guard a little bit. I've never seen that before, and uh, but I loved the strategy and I actually used it in my following game. I was fortunate enough turn one that uh, with the solitaire, I was able to get to his autark. And I think that was my mission right from the start was to get the CP advantage. And again, it was search and destroy. So the distance isn't very far. You know, on average, the solitaire when you blitz is going 19 inches plus the charge. I think I rolled a nine. So I went 21 inches with the solitaire and uh, I smashed the autark in the face with 12 attacks, strength six, AP two, damage two. And, and that immediately gave me that CP advantage. I was able to crack one of his wave serpents straight away but he did come bearing down on me very quickly uh, with the avatar which was i guess a slightly terrifying prospect because he pushed at all angles he pushed every single quarter of the board which i guess helped me in the sense that i was able to fight where i wanted to rather than having a sort of a large-scale fight but the avatar coming straight at me um, i kind of whiffed to begin with in terms of shooting it but I did manage to get a f- another extra round of shooting into it because he failed the charge roll. And uh, thankfully, Fugan, hero of the craft world with uh, Melter 6, um, yes, sent the, the avatar back from uh, whence it came. The rest of the game was pretty scrappy. It was me sort of clearing him off an objective, me clearing him, clearing me back off an objective. Uh, so it was really good fun in that regard that it was... It was tense right and down right down until the last turn. And at the end of the game, I think he had a fire prism, a wave serpent, and maybe and maybe a handful of striking scorpions left. Or a handful of dire avengers left. Not a lot. And and I had two half half full squads of Shadow Spectres and uh my Autark. And I managed to sh- string out this squad of shadow specters across two objectives uh, whilst also stealing his home objective uh, in the last turn to max out sort of getting 15 primary points and uh, also getting the behind enemy lines deploy homers for for the full points there so i did end up with a win i did end up with a full 100 uh, big big swing last turn uh, so it ended up 180 i was pretty pretty happy with the result and it certainly lifted my spirits uh, and I took away a good learning in terms of putting the fire prism into reserve. I, I hadn't expected that, and it allowed him to bring you know, one fire prism on safely, one in a corner that had line of sight to my deployment zone, and then blow my fire prism to bits, uh, leaving him at a, a two to one fire prism advantage. So yeah, very nice tech. Uh, Jamie, how was uh, how was your second game? Yeah, so my second game was into Custodes. Um, they just seemed everywhere, didn't they, um, at the tournament, really? They're a funny army. We'll get on to that in a minute. Um, yeah, it was um, it was a really good game. Uh, Toby, my opponent, it was a, it was a really nice guy. Um, as a Votan player looking at Custodes, you kind of think, unless I'm running heavy melee-centric Votan list, 
kind of just going to stand off and shoot them. And it's going to be, they're a lot more elite than we are. So either we're going to clear them off or we're not. And it kind of went, kind of went that way really, where we were baiting each other into taking primaries off of each other. Um, but as the started losing units, as the tide turned, and I remember getting to about turn three and thinking, he's lost a lot of units here. And when you're running an elite army, I think this goes back to you, Ross, in game one. They're a bit of a 50-50, aren't they? You, you start losing models, you're in trouble. And I just remember looking at the board presence and thinking, I've, I've got this. Because I was kind of rolling up to the middle and, and all he had left was his two big grav tags at the back. And a few odd, um, few odd terminators. And I think there are matchups in 40k where you're better suited. Um, I think Votan, they play well into Custodes. As long as you're not stupid and run straight at them. But then I think, like you said, Ross, the World Eaters, I think I remember saying to you, they're going to do nothing to you. They're literally going to run into a concrete wall. So yeah, it was it was a really close game. It ended up finishing 94 to me and uh, 85 to Toby. But I think board control was, was the swinger. Sometimes you just get that feeling during a game. You're swamping the primaries and you think, yeah, I've got this. But we really enjoyed the game. He knew a bit about Votan and sort of said he was looking at the army to play it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was a good army. The one thing I want to talk about is that Blade Champion. He's an absolute missile. Incredible unit. And it's the one thing I identified early on was stay away from him because I knew he had advance and charge. And he's just like a lumberjack comes out of nowhere and starts chopping everything he touches to pieces <laughs> and um i just think so i i'm a personal personal opinion i think votan are one of the best shooting armies in the game right now it's a bold statement but i think i think they've got the units to outgun most armies um and i think with custodies other than their tanks they lack shooting they're a melee army you know they don't they don't really do a huge amount of shooting so if you stand off them, but then feed them units that you don't mind losing, well, that was my game plan. It, it tends to go one way or the other. I think I think maybe the big difference is if you, and this is not taking anything away from Toby, I think if you come against someone who knows Custodes and is like played them since 8th edition, maybe it would feel differently because they would know how to tech into a shooting army. I think that's a good point, Jamie, because if we look at the results for the you know, the overall results, uh, as a custodian player, he came fourth. Um, so obviously mm. he's a good pilot of custodians. I think people look at custodians as an army which is for beginners because it's basically roll fours. You could you don't die, run up to someone and, and smack them. But there's a lot of what I've learned from this beachhead is there's a lot of nuance to it and you can play them really badly so yeah you do have an advantage in terms of your stats your saving throw uh, you know generally but you've got such few models you have to play them well you can't afford to play them badly and that's definitely one of my major learnings from going to that event as i you know i only won two games out of the five that i played but replaying those games in my head i've actually worked out other than my first game where i lost the game and it's it's down to 
I'll go into it now, actually, because I'll, I'll go after this. I'll go into my third game, and, and it will sort of translate into that. So, my list that I took with me wasn't optimized, and as you mentioned, the Blade Champion is insane for what he does. He gets what is relatively slow-moving army into combat where you want them to be. I also only had one of the tanks and from what i've been told you either have two of the tanks or you have none of them so one is about as badly as is about as bad as you can have them because one doesn't reliably kill anything uh, you know enemy tanks two does reliably kill stuff and if you only have one you might as well just have none and take an extra unit of guard if that makes sense so i didn't have a very optimized list and i didn't know what i was really doing with it and that leads me into your point about the pilot skill so obviously the guy that went forth his list was better and it's one that i've now copied but he went against some of the top players in the game shooty amelie um and he came out fourth place so obviously i think custodies is more about pilot skill because i'm pretty sure if he had my list he probably would have done really well as well so it's it's more about reps into that is like every like we've been banging on about for the last few episodes we've done this podcast reps into your army is more important than your list in total so that's what i've taken away i've changed my list now for the upcoming rtt but my game three yeah yeah, my game three leads into this because my game three you were next to me jamie and i had multiple issues firstly my list was awful secondly it was into eldari which i should have been better at having played jack a few times um with orcs but not not elder not custodians but with orcs i should have had a better understanding of the army but he had a pretty weird list which i think jack sort of went into he had the incarn didn't have any of the uh well the web web spinners is it the tank the web spinners had none of them had 10 of the not blade guard are they blade guard no they're wraith not. Guard. what are they called wraith guard 10 of the wraith guard and he had two d cannons and then other than that he just had a, a a lot of chaff blocking chaff and another point i'd like to bring up is the terrain i think at this tournament was very shooting positive let's put it that way if you had a very shooty army you were going to do quite well because the central objective had no cover, basically. And it happened to me twice where I just got lined up against. So the, the Eldari player put his 10 Wraith Guard and his D Cannons looking at the middle objective. And if I stood on the middle objective, I died, essentially. <laughs> it was just like, great. So I can't take the middle objective. And to be fair, he played it really well because he knew what I, my, my objective was. It was to get to him, shut his Wraith Guard down, shut his D cannons down. The deployment and everything was taken hold, chosen battlefield super engagement. So we were sort of placing the objectives ourselves. I may have made a bit of a mistake with that because I put them a bit too close together. My logic being is being a, a, a small unit army, I want all my forces condensed, but it actually made it easier for him to take my home objective. I didn't actually have any knowledge of how the incarn worked although it has been nerfed now i misplaced one of my units which allowed him turn two to kill my unit get the incarn in he then managed to charge my tank 
then he killed that and then in response I failed to kill the Incarn the whole turn so I had the Incarn on my back objective the entire game and then my ability to get to his sort of shooting units the D cannons and everything he just kept throwing chaff at me he kept move blocking me and while I was trying to deal with that he was D cannoning me off the board he was shooting me with those 10 melters that he had and I just didn't have any 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 units left I had no mobility if I'd have had the blade champion for that move advance and charge I would have got into that on my turn one I think with the advance and charge turn two most likely and it would have been a different game had I known how to play the Incarn. That's my pure lack of inexperience. I wouldn't have allowed the Incarn in the backfield. So for me, it was 100% my lack of pilot skill and knowledge about my opponent that lost me the game. Um, he played really well. I've got to say he was a challenging opponent. Jamie was next to me and he agreed. He was a difficult oh, person. Yeah. He was trouble, wasn't he? Um he was using he wasn't using a tape measure. He was oh. using iron rods that had been they're like engineers iron rods that have the measurements on them. So it, it was just a bit of a nightmare because at the start of the game I was like deploying and I was using the chess clock and whatever. And I did my deployment, I put the chess clock on him and then um he didn't like that because it you know he was deploying and then he looked at the chess clock and he was like, oh, it's on me. I was like, uh, and he said, oh, you need to tell me when you put the chess clock on me. I was like, fair enough. But in the manual, it says that players are in control of the chess clock themselves. It's down to you to turn the chess clock over. So I will do, but obviously, you know, it's, it's up to you to do that. It's not my, my job to do your chess clock. And he went, oh, it's going to be like that, is it? You're one of those. And he said, no, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know why you're being like that. We're on the bottom table anyway. We've both lost a game. So what's the point of even being like that? And that was the deployment stage. And it was like psychological. I, I heard that conversation. Yeah. Sorry, Ross. I just want to interrupt you because I'm I'm on the other table setting up and um, it's all, all quite civil in my, my game three. And um, I'm hearing this going on to my left and I'm just like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And you, I just got a feeling like it wasn't even my opponent. But just from the way he was behaving at the start of your game, it was almost like he baited you, Ross, into um, not feeling Getting sorry angry. for him. Getting angry. I don't know what it oh, was. I don't know. It... Yeah, he was <laughs> odd. Really odd. But he was like, you know, it was it was just one of those, right? And had I played it better, looking back on it, if the, if he played basically the same way and I played better in hindsight can figure out a way of me winning that game i was too scared of his wraith guard i didn't move up the board quick enough i didn't use my redeploys i put my objectives in the wrong place and i didn't really anticipate the incarn coming in and doing what it did so lessons learned that won't happen again it should have been a win for me you know in hindsight but it wasn't he won he did comment to say that my movement was really good and he's you know one of the best players he's faced but it was, it was just very awkward. Jack, I think you came in at the end as well and you were giving me funny looks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty like, awful. Yeah, and by the end of it, I was like rattled and I just wanted to go home. So it ended quite badly in terms of, I think the score was like 50-something to 80-something to him. And 
I just want to write that one up as a as an experience and move on to the next day. So that's my game three. Um, I think you two can have we better just experiences. Touch on them. Yeah, can we just touch on Custodes? Because I think you've obviously been talking about them quite a bit, Ross, because the army you Yeah, took. okay, that's fine. I think, I think you are right. They're a highly elite army, but I think because you've got such a small amount of activations, if you don't get it right, you get found out. And that's not yeah. me saying you got found out, but no, I, I think even you will admit a couple of games maybe maybe you did. Um, but they, they are like... There's an element to them as well that can be swingy. So if you're elite, if anything's elite in Warhammer, it's got the potential to swing because you're not rolling huge amounts of dice. So like, I compare it to my Magna Rail that I took on the Land Fortress. Okay, It's a single strength 18 shot. There's a whopping amount of damage, but you've got to hit with it first and you're rolling one dice. I think in one of my games... I think four times I rolled a one to hit and it's the most painful thing ever, but that's the risk you run with running these huge elite units. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree. Like wholeheartedly, I think like stuff is only swingy in that sort of bias of the moment. And, Oh, I can't roll saves to save my life. But like the maths of it, um, they're efficiently point costed a guy, you know, he came fourth and, um, mm. I think, I think maybe it's once... the intricacies of the list itself. You need to be running the right list to avoid it's that. Pilot, it's 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 a hundred percent pilot skill. There's not a lot of units in custodies to choose from, but the units that there are, they're incredibly <sighs> powerful. You just have to put them in the right configuration. And I didn't have that, and my pilot skill was poor. You know, so I'm not going to do very well. So going into my next RTT, my list, I basically copied the guy that came fourth. So I know the list works. It's pilot skill now I have to work on. I definitely think you're right, lacking. I think you're right about the two tanks versus the one. You either take two or not, because my opponent took two gravis tanks. And I had to make a choice during my game. Do I deal with the two gravis tanks, but spend a lot of my resources dealing with them at the back of the board? Or do I just accept which, which it? Which game is this you're talking about now? Is this, this your was third my, game? This, no, this was my second game into Custodes that I won. Oh, right, I see. Yeah. He basically parked a two at the back of the board. But they were doing an incredible amount of damage when they got shots off. So I had to make that choice. Do I deal with them or do I deal with the foot sloggers that are going to be scoring points? Yeah. Obviously, I chose to deal with the foot sloggers, which I think was the right choice. But also, I had a land fortress and he kind of had to point his gravis tanks at that every turn and it was a good distraction um yeah so they're, they're a difficult one to play and as well as being an elite army there and i think you have to be an elite player to play them well because you don't as as you say you don't get many activations if you activate wrong then you can lose the game on that one activation and that's what happened to me in my last game so when we get on to game five i'll exactly tell you what you I'll give you an example of exactly what you just said when we get to game five so if we move on to your game three Jamie because you were next to me you were playing a lovely chap from Vanguard Tactics 
I was, yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, my um, my third game of the weekend was into uh, Kobe of Vanguard Tactics. Um, he was running his Tyranids. My immediate impression was, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Tyranids haven't really been mentioned in the meta a lot, you know. There are very good pilots of Tyranids. Like you, you see big players playing them really well. But nobody's talking about them. I think the data state dropped literally just before this weekend. We all made, everybody made decisions. And, you know, I don't think you guys would say I was wrong in saying that a lot of people went to Custodes because they went, oh, here's a here's a four-up invul against Dev Wounds. You know, suddenly everyone got, got hard on for Custodes. They're back on the menu. Let's go. I know they were already on your radar, Ross. But, you know, I think for a lot of players, that pushed the count of Custodes players up. And I think the fact they didn't touch Necrons also meant everyone was like, yay, let's all just take Catans. Um, really interesting that there were a lot of... I didn't play a single Necron player all weekend. and I Because yeah, they I were think, on the top tables, that's why. I think a few of them were, but I don't think for the volume of Necron players, I haven't looked at the entire standings, I don't think they did as well as I thought they would. Wow. So it's it's yeah. really interesting to see. But yes, anyway, back to my game. Um, so yeah, I went into Kobe. He was running the Vanguard detachment in Tyranids. So it's the one with all the stuff that can jump in and out and do horrible, deceptively deceiving stuff. He obviously knew uh, good counters to Votan, so he immediately set up to screen my scout moves, which if you're playing into Votan, Jack's got, you could say, Dari, just drives me absolutely insane you can screen them out so well with chaff if you've got stuff that can infiltrate because you can't end a scout move within nine of an infiltrating unit they're really good at screening out votan so it stops us coming forward so he immediately did that with all his uh his small small chaff but also he has the ability to redeploy them after the first turn roll off so it was um it was a challenging game quite a swingy game he had a few big monsters but also a lot of gargoyles and griblies that were high on oc and um the game was super close and it literally came down and i've got to say it was probably my most enjoyable game of the weekend purely on an opponent basis like kobe was a super sound guy he won't mind me saying he employed the manta of the vanguard tactic way to have a good opponent and a good game it literally came down to the fact that Tyranids constantly forcing battle shot tests and I think I basically went and parked everything I could on the last objective in turn five and he double battle shot me and I'm pretty sure and right I'm saying that you can't auto pass it because it happens in a different part of the game. And yeah, I passed the first one and failed the second one and as a result he out OC'd me on that objective and won the game by two points. So we, we both scored really well. He played he played them well, Tyranids. Uh, and it was an eighty one seventy nine defeat. So yeah, it was um it was a good game though. It looked like you had a lot of fun. I was um, spectating for maybe an hour. Yeah. And uh, you guys were definitely having a laugh, like, for the entire game. And that was really, yeah, that was really great to see. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is good. It's always nice when you have that sort of rapport with an opponent. You know, and I was, at that point, obviously, won a couple of games. So I wasn't, I was one and one. And one so I was like, well, okay, don't really mind how this goes. And, uh yeah, it was a close game, so we both yeah, finished with 
time to spare. So, yeah, what about yourself, Jack? How did your uh, third game go? Yeah, all right. All right. It was, um, I played against Chaos Knights. I've had a lot of practice against Chaos Knights. But he was running, he was running five big knights. He was running three night rampages and two night, oh, God, night despoilers, I think. Whichever one gets the, like, I don't know, giant laser cannon on its arm that shoots 70 inches. I guess that was kind of a death sentence for him because I've got two fire prisms, a D cannon, two war walkers and Fugan. And uh, yeah, it was turn one. I, I didn't manage to bring one of them down, but in turn two, I, I finished one and then pretty much killed another turn three. He only had uh, two nights left. It was that's rough. Yeah. It was quite the shooting gallery. He, um, he he was he was great fun to play against. Uh, Mike Mike Morrill, his name was. I've seen him at Entoyment a fair few times. And uh, was he the Hampshire? Um, I can't remember the Hampshire Hammerers player. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, because one of those um, guys. Yeah, the Custodies player against me was one of them. They're, they're nice guys. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah, was. He's, he was. I think he was quite open that his list wasn't optimal. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I sort of said, "What? Well, why are you doing this when you know War Dogs?" War dogs are sort of crushing it right now. Twelve war dog lists. He's like, I'm just here to have fun, man. Like, That's fair enough. That is that is absolutely fair enough. But yeah, I'm not giving exactly... you any quarter. No, I think he was next to me when I played his mate, the Custodies, and um, I looked across and saw six big knights. So I was like, um, okay, any reason why? And he was like, oh, I'm just 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 want to shoot shit with big knights. I think that's a tough point as well. A lot of people go to these GTs and they're not too worried about playing the optimal list. They just want to blast some stuff, don't they? Yeah, I was just... Yeah, we're tryhards. <laughs> yeah. We're tryharding try it now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I st- on, on that topic, I was just looking at the uh, Necron results to see how they actually did. And I'm going to get called out here now. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there's, there's 15 Necron players at the event, so a little under mm. 10% of the field, which... Actually, I would have expected there to be more, given how strong they were. Yeah. We've got so sixth place, ninth place, fifteenth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth, thirty third, thirty fifth. So, you know, the top thirty five. We've got what eight? Was that seven? Seven Necron players. So it's so it's a good showing. But then yeah. then we jump down, and it's sixty fourth, seventy ninth, ninety second. Uh, 127th and I'm only counting people that played all of their games here I'm not counting people that that didn't and actually there is a Necron player in 142nd who who did play uh, all six games so I think there is definitely no no matter how powerful you are in the meta there is still a huge divide in pilot skill and it is still the single most important thing to doing well at events so I think any of you who are you know meta chasing focused um, if you don't have access to multiple armies, I really wouldn't feel pressured about switching to whatever the internet is telling you is strong because, well, two Dark Angels players came uh, second and third and first place at this event was an Imperial Guardsman. Uh, he's a very well-known Imperial Guardsman, uh, Martin Cooper, but uh, ex-Team England, I believe. But yeah, none, nonetheless, you know, who who would have bet the Imperial Guard right now? How How you know, lack of results they get, how low they are in the meta and all of those tier lists that the big teams put up on the internet because people love them. Uh, yeah, and he, and he smashed it over the entire weekend. Uh, over six games, he only dropped 26 points, 
which is uh, what average of four points a game. It's, it's insane. You're right. I definitely think it's pilot skill um, and consistency with an army. I reckon in that top ten, if you asked any of those players, none of them would have been taking that army for the first time that weekend. I think yeah. the Admech guy who finished in the top ten, well, he's an absolute hero in my eyes. Um, you know, it's just insane. Like you're saying, the fact that guard player won the event, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, it was some... Um, you got Custodies in fourth, Black Templars fifth, Necron sixth, uh, Admech seventh, uh, Votan eighth, uh, Necrons ninth, and Black Templars uh, tenth. And then Orcs, Orcs bloody 11th, and 12th Orcs, which is, uh, yeah, nice to see. It is very nice, yeah. And uh, again, pilot skill. More important than list, definitely. And that was our that was our day two, wasn't it? So it was uh, a mixed bag. I think we all had fun. I definitely had fun. A lot less stressful than yeah, game good. one, I think. Yeah, and we, we all three of us learned valuable lessons from the two matches that we had during that day. So we went out for dinner, didn't we? We had a nice steak with our colleague, Matt. Yeah, it was lovely. And then... Hotel time, wasn't it? Hotel time. Yeah, hotel time indeed. How did your hotel experience go? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mine was lovely. One. I slept like a baby. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> My God. It's Travelodge right. Roulette, I'm going to call this, because me and Jack staying in the same hotel, we had two completely different experiences. I think oh. the biggest learning from this weekend, or that weekend, in fact, was not about playing warhammer 40k it was about which hotel you go to and uh, where it's located isn't it i think yes if <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm never staying in uh, a travel lodge that is in a city center. i'm just never staying in a travel lodge again that is they're written off for life in my eyes but nothing in a city center that was i was on the i was on the first floor yeah you know night one the sleeping man haha this is this is quite funny you know the drunk guy snoring outside my door Night two, well, I didn't end up playing. I went home the next morning instead of playing three further games because I got three hours sleep. Uh, I think, and the timings aren't going to be 100% accurate here, but I think I woke up sometime between half midnight and one to someone just out in the corridor repeatedly slamming a door. I went out and just sort of bellowed, oh, what the fuck are you doing? And, and this woman just sort of turned and screamed at me, started swearing at me, and then ran off down the corridor. It's like, oh my God, what is going on here? We then had uh, a woman screaming, running down the corridor. I, I, I didn't bother to, to get up and go and look at this one. I think, Jamie, I think you heard part of this altercation going on, maybe through the floor. Yeah. Some blokes I mean, shouting. Yeah. I, I was on the second floor, tucked away in the corner. I'm not going to lie. When I got to the hotel, I was like, oh, jackpot. I'm right out of the way here. Um, but yeah, I sad in I was you always expect a little bit of it don't you because obviously like there's a lot of youngsters out having a good time and they're getting smashed and this carnage isn't it but um yeah I, I, had, I heard someone screaming get out get out and I was like that woke me up so you know and I'm on the second floor if you're right <laughs> next door to it that's rough, yeah, that's rough. it was wild it was, it was it was yeah it was crazy and then I think it got to about maybe four AM at this point, and then yeah, those those youths, as we'll call them, uh, came back to the thirty pound a night travel lodge, and uh, 
effectively had a party in the room next door. So I did not get much sleep. Uh, I think I passed out a little bit. We got to six and then naturally people started waking up and then leaving. And at this point, I don't think I could have, you know, had much of a higher blood pressure if I tried. So uh, I think I, I sent you a voice message and said, look, if I, if I don't get some sleep now, um, then I ended up going home and yeah, I couldn't get to sleep. Light was coming in and I was on full tilt. So uh, yeah, I, I got to my car, we gave you a lift to yours. We swapped over uh, the models to your car and then uh, I just drove home. I just drove home and crashed on my sofa. RIP day two of Beachhead. Yeah, how did, ah, uh, oh, like it, it sucked at the time massively, but for me, it's just a funny story that I can tell now. I think, uh, and, yeah. and, a, and a lesson well learned, just, just don't, you pay, you pay peasant prizes, you get a peasant experience. I think, uh, yeah, not, not doing that ever again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, on to more positive things, uh, guys, talk us through, talk us through your day two, how, or the day three, I suppose, how did uh, three, the final yeah. games go? So I'll, I'll go through my first game. So I was playing my second, uh, second game my fourth game in fact into an army that i have actually never played against on the tabletop sisters of battle so it was very exciting for me just to see how they played and we were doing purge the foe which is kill more or you know, kill or kill more which leans into custodies quite well because i'm hard to kill and sisters aren't that hard to kill chilling rain and crucible of battle deployment so it was a pretty good matchup for myself, to be fair. I went into this one thinking, probably am going to win this one. And it's one when I played Orcs was one that I went into going, probably I'm going to lose this one because of the kill more VP that you get. It's, it's too easy to kill more Orcs or kill more Sister Battle, as we found out. So my entire battle plan on this was just to sit back a little bit. Most of his army, if not all of his army, is T3. And my plan was just to sit back and shoot because if I've got guns that are strength four, they're minus one, two damage. So I should reliably be picking up units quite consistently. So that was what I did, essentially. The guy that I played was an absolute legend. He's also called Ross. So that probably explains why he's an absolute legend. And he had uh, a beautiful Sisters of Battle army. He was really a pleasure to play against, uh, explained his entire army. I've never played them before, so I had no clue what their rules were. And their rules are really fun, actually. If I had a choice to pick up another army, it would be Sisters of Battle, because some of the units are just insane on what they do. I mean, what was it? The um, Triumph of St. Catherine. Have you ever seen this model? It's four or five Sisters of Battle carrying a sarcophagus basically and it gets 18 attacks in combat minus one one damage it's it's just mental but yeah there's not really much to say it, it was a bit one-sided he moved towards me didn't get to me i shot him off the table every turn got on the objectives essentially outscored him um but it was a it was it was a really fun game i, w I would say that wouldn't i because I, I won it but it was a good game good opponent I, by this point, I just started to work out what my army does. I actually managed to remember how my rules work, which is really good. I didn't forget to actually do my feel no pains. I remembered that I re-roll wounds 
all those things that you should know as a player of an army, your, your actual rules and how they all work. By game four, I can confidently say that I remembered how my army, or not remembered, but actually learned how my army worked, which was nice. I, I felt quite confident. Had I not won that game, I would have still felt good because the guy was great. And I now felt like Custodes was an army that I knew how to play. So it was a pretty positive experience. Um, Jack, obviously you had gone home by that time. So Jamie... You went into your game four quite happily as well. We had a little chat. You were quite confident. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we had a little chat because it was Death Guard for me. Um, and I know you've had experience in the past of him and sort of... He was running an interesting list. He took three carnivores. Um, yeah. Which it got me over... I'd probably say overthinking a little bit. I was... That was the bit I was terrified of. I was like, if he throws those three carnivores at me... That's a lot to deal with, and he can basically just win the game by making me deal with those first. Um, so yeah, I played a I played a guy called uh, I want to say Matt. Yeah, it was Matt. Um, he was a nice chap. Um, they were wearing white t-shirts. Can't remember the team name. Yeah, he was a nice guy. Um, we sat up, and I said, "Oh, like you know, you putting anything in reserve for?" Um, you know, just read it reserve deep strike. And he said, oh, I'm not sure. And he, he really stumbled. And I was like, is everything okay? Oh, I'm petrified of your shooting. And he made this massive assumption that, like, I was just going to obliterate him. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I didn't really say anything because I didn't want to sort of say, like, oh, I'm intimidated by your carnivores or anything like that. But he went and put two of them in reserve. And I was like... Wow, okay, that's interesting choice. I was like 100% expecting him to start them on the board and just run them at me. But yeah, he didn't. So I was like, oh, that's a bonus. So yeah, we, we played the game. And it became a really heavily lopsided game. He really deployed heavily on one side. So I kind of zipped up. I deployed evenly and zipped up one flank and sort of took out the cultists on an objective. Um took out a rhino turn two then took out the marines that spilled out of it but the whole game i i don't think he was aggressive enough he he held his war dog back that was on the board and he just kept saying i i can't do anything i'm just going to come out and be shot and i was like i know but you you kind of have to do something and by that point the the game had gone I don't think it was the greatest mission for Death Guard, maybe. I'm not really that qualified to talk about them, but you might know, Ross, is it a tough matchup for them in terms of the mission? I don't think it's a tough matchup. I think, as you pointed out, it is just a misplay on his part. I've heard of that list before, and as I told you, I, the Disgustingly Resilient podcast, they've gone through a very, very similar list to that on that podcast and how the guy who uses that list uses it and the whole idea is to chuck those carnivores at you turn one say deal with that and then while you are dealing with that they score and that's essentially what yeah. that list does and that's the fact what that you i put was them into reserve yeah exactly the fact that you put them into reserve meant the list he's brought doesn't isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing you know so he's, he's taken the threat away straight away so i think that was what the problem was it, it could have been a bit yeah. more even, but yeah, yeah. He just, I think just misplayed it. 
he, he definitely said to me at the end of the game, like he said, how do you, you know, what would you have said I could have done differently? And I said, well, you know, by putting them in reserve and bringing them in one at a time, you allowed me to unload all of my shooting into the prime target of choice. You didn't say, here's three, can you deal with it? Um, you know, I just, and I've got so much shooting and so much anti-tank, I just went, okay, that's dead now, that's dead now. And there were glimmers of his army that when it did stuff, was actually quite good. And I was generally like, oh, Christ, that did more than I thought it would. Death Guard is a really good army. I think if they're piloted by someone who's yeah. really confident, again, we come back to this piloting thing. I think he said one point during the game, oh, I wish I'd bought Eldari now. So I think him again, I think he was maybe decided to go with Death Guard and didn't have the reps maybe. Or wasn't 100% sure of his personal game plan. So, yeah, it was um, it was my highest scoring game. I finished uh, 98-73 in the end. Yeah, yeah it was, brilliant. Um, really nice. Yeah, back to 2-2. Two and two. Back to 2-2. Two and two. So I was at... Did I... Had I won 2? Yeah, 2... Two and two, yeah. Yeah, both it was. Two we two. both we both were, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we had our fifth game. We we basically both decided that we we're just doing five games, just because of the travel time to get home. And had we stayed for the sixth game, I had a, well, we both had a two hour or more trip back, so we'd have been getting back nine, half nine, if not ten o'clock. So it's a bit late, and I I was working the next day early, so didn't fancy it. So we just did our fifth game, and. I've got to say, the fifth game, in terms of the mission, it's not one that I really like. It is always one that sort of does me in, and that's the one with the, the disappearing objectives. <laughs> so it was Supply Drop, Chilling Rain, and Search and Destroy. And it, if I'm correct, it's the Supply Drop that makes it the disappearing. And when I started my game, I was, I was against a nice chap playing Blood Angels, and I thought, to be fair, that Blood Angels is a good matchup for me because they're a melee army, right? Blood Angels are a melee army. Can we just cement that they're a melee army? Well, not his Blood Angels because I'll just go through it because of just how dirty it was. He had a six-man aggressor squad with flame storms, a Centurion Devastator squad. He had a massive land raider with the flame storm cannons, which, if you don't know, and I didn't know, are minus two two damage. Uh, I think they're D6 plus something auto hits. So absolutely perfect for killing custodies. And then he had three units of three inceptors plus some infiltrators, scouts, and, you know, all the usual sort of fluff. And it was very, very difficult for me because we deployed and we both deployed pretty centrally. He had his land raider in the middle. I had basically everything in the middle because the uncertainty about this mission is that the objectives or at least two of them will disappear over the course of the game so one goes on turn three one goes on turn four and this is always one that i've struggled to play because for some reason i'm always on the objective on the turn that it disappears and i never score it so it's my bad planning and once again that happened to me in this game and also, he was in incredibly good at baiting me. And looking back, I know why I lost this game. And it was basically my 
turn two movement essentially is why I lost this game. So in turn one, we, well, before turn one, we rolled off for the disappearing objectives. The top left one, or basically my no man's land objective, went turn three. The middle one went turn four. And then his no man land objective disappeared in turn, or no, stayed until turn five and gave him the extra point scoring if you hold it. So if you know that mission well, if that no man's land objective is in your bit, you know, the one that you can hold the easiest, it's a huge advantage because you have already basically got half your army sitting on it before your opponent can get anywhere near it. And he knew that, I knew that, and that was his game plan. Stop me getting to it, win the game. And it worked really well. So what he did is he put his land raider in the middle and he had some death company. I think there was 10 of them, if not maybe maybe a few more 12 and a character and he got to my top no man's land objective killed my unit off that objective and then his land raider was in the middle with his flamers pointing at the middle objective and then he still had all of his inceptors and stuff in reserve so i fell for the bait and moved trajan and another unit to my top left objective forgetting of course that it's going to be disappearing on turn three so i'm going the wrong way you know, so I've, I've misdeployed there. And that's that crucial moment that you mentioned, Jamie, where you have bad piloting skill. Because in hindsight, I should have ignored them and gone the exact opposite way. Or even charged the land raider to take that out of the game, tie it up a little bit. But I went completely the wrong way. Ended up killing the jump pack squad. Great. But now I'm not going to get that unit to the objective in the far corner. Because I don't have the time, the rounds or the movement to do so. So failed on that and then from that point onwards everything i put in the middle got flamed off the board his land raider just destroyed my units he got his aggressors out had had six d6 flamers on them as well so god knows i must have been on like 10 d6 flamers going into my units all all set to kill my custodies and then turn two as well his in his um Inceptors came down with their plasma. So it was a shooting gallery of custodies. And it was very difficult to begin with because he's got a lot of anti infantry weaponry. It's almost like he designed it to kill custodies. And to be fair, he probably did because there was loads of custodies at that event. And if it was for that reason, then he'd played it perfectly. A combination of his incredible shooting, my terrible movement, and target prioritization led him to win that game it's essentially my fault completely uh, but he was a brilliant guy he was helping me out after the game he you know came up to me and gave me some pointers and said look you should have done this um i baited you here you fell for it blah 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 blah. so great opponent really enjoyed it and i've learned again another lesson learned for me when you're playing the mission you should actually focus on what the mission is and play towards that end goal not just go towards random enemy units you're trying to delete off the board. Um, but there we go. Lesson learned. Jamie, how was your game? Yeah, it was all right. I think I think just to touch on yours, I think you highlight this particular mission. You, If you don't keep track of that primary and the way it disappears and make your decisions to allow for that, it can catch you out. And it's unusual because obviously the other one's a fixed primary or you score at the end of the game, nothing disappears. So you've got that extra thing you've got to think about during the game. Um, 
so it can be can be quite swingy towards whether or not you think about it or not yeah um, it can be you definitely need to because i found myself turn three i was on the objective that disappeared at turn three and i was like i don't get any points for that and then the same thing happened on turn four and it was my mismanagement of what round it i think i forgot even what round it, you know it's just one of them forgot what round it was and it just uh you you really have to play the mission on that on that particular one Mm, yeah definitely yeah so my my last game of the day um i went into chaos space marines uh another army i've not ever played um which was something quite refreshing about gts um because you're getting so many games in a short space of time you know if you're lucky enough to face different armies each time you sometimes you get to experience something you've never played against which is pretty cool so i you know the guy was the guy was called Guy. He was, he was, he was a nice, nice chap. chap. Massively shooting. Heavily, heavily focused, focused on shooting. So we had two Forge Fiends, a Defiler, and two of the Rhinos with what I can only describe as a big-ass cannon in the front. I'm not sure what they're called. Vindicators? Yeah, yeah, something like that. They do a lot of damage. Um, so two massively heavily shooting armies. And I was just like, this is just going to be an absolute blast fest. So yeah, we kind of played it tactfully. Um, I put a lot of judgment tokens on the bigger stuff at the start of the game. He was running, we had a lot of shooting, and Abaddon and his nasty men in combat. So I was kind of like, this is going to go one or two ways. But it was my lowest point scoring game of the weekend. I think what happened is we had good counters to each other and we basically just kept blasting each other off the table. But it was only through me sort of having more units on the board towards the end of the game um, was the reason I was able to outscore him, really. Yeah, they do a lot of um, crazy stuff, Chaos Space Marines. It, surprising amount of damage. The, the Forge Fiends are like AP3-3 damage and have like three different guns. I had no idea what I was facing. And they do all these... What is their army rule where they they pledge to the dark gods or something like that. And then they can, I think essentially overcharge their weapons or something crazy, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Army mechanic dark packs. I think it's called. Yeah. So you get like sustained hits on fives or lethal hits on fives. Uh, and depending on the sort of mark you've got, that's either in shooting or it's in melee. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was pretty much like just, just doing it every turn with everything. And, Sometimes he would fade his leadership test and take mortal wounds, but most of the time not because they're like leadership seven, six or seven. So they're, they're pretty strong. So yeah, it was it was a really interesting game. Ironically, the primaries disappearing didn't really affect us too much because by that point, I think he didn't have enough units to get to the last one that was going to disappear. And we basically were left fighting over this central objective, the only one left in no man's land that wouldn't disappear. And it just came down to whether or not I could kill Abaddon. And I just threw everything at him and he, he died to to volume of fire, really. Um, yeah, I saw I saw the end of that game and you had you had like your remaining army in a circle around the middle objective and he had his chaos units on that objective and it was hilarious yeah. it was like a shoot <laughs> it's like a shooting it was gallery real swingy. Like... <laughs> so like yeah he initially came in and dealt with the stuff because like you know abaddon's a bit like the blade champion whatever he touches melts you know he's really strong he does a lot of damage at a lot of high ap 
but then I had other stuff, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to swamp you now and like out OC you and just try my best to deny you essentially. And that was that was kind of where it, where it went. There was we had this really good game where we were playing it with a healthy competitive mindset. There were a couple of judge calls, but it was judge calls in the spirit of the game, not oh. I don't think this is right. You're doing this to screw me over. It was more like, I just want to check that because it, it really matters. So like perfect example of that is a baron was part of a unit that was judged. Um, the unit around him died. Did, you know, he said, I want to ask the, you know, the judge or the TO that a baron keeps that judgment token. And I said, I can assure you that it, it does, but feel free to ask because obviously it really matters. And, and he was like, yeah, you know, he said, I wouldn't normally mind, but it's quite important because if a baron dies, it matters. So yeah, you know, it was a real healthy debate and we had a good game. It was really low point scoring. I, I couldn't believe how little we scored, but I think it was kind of a game where we both started just shooting each other off the board rather than focusing on scoring. So it finished 57-39 to me. It was That's my the lowest... mark of a good game though, isn't it? I think when you I don't d- get run away with the points. I think we almost denied each other so much. I mean, I scored 10 on primary and he only scored five. It was almost like we just kept denying each other primary every turn. And then he only got 24 on secondaries and I managed to get 37 out of 40. So maybe the fact that I managed to complete more of my tactical deck than he did won me the game. But he did he did do a capture enemy outpost as part of that, you know. So he did he did score some good points. But yeah, it was it was close but relatively low scoring. But it was the scoring off primary that really let us down. But I just think we both had big blobs of units to to deny primary constantly. So yeah, it was it was a good back and forth game. And we both kind of said, oh, we hope we both win this because we can finish on a high. He was kind of like, if I win, I'm, I'm going to quit now while I'm ahead. And feel good, end on a high. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a similar, man. So I'd, I'd love to know if he stayed on and played his last game. But um, We yeah, can always check was, DCP, mate. It'll probably Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, um, it was a good end to the weekend. Um, you know, it was an, another good opponent, good spirited game. And another list that I'd never played before. So, yeah, it was good. I think we all had armies, we'd, apart from you, Jack, because obviously you missed missed it. But, um, you know, we, Don't we played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Sucks to be you, dude. Um, yeah, but, you know, you, Ross, you, you faced armies like sisters. You don't yeah, always see them, I'd do a, you? Yeah, I had a really good time. Despite my whinging, I know it's might, it might come off with me whinging, but I'm actually really positive about the weekend because when you decide to take an army that you're not familiar with to a really big event with some top level players you're gonna get beaten really and at the end of the day the idea of our team and this podcast is to get better and develop as characters as players you know and you don't do that by sitting at home or by playing in your own friendship group constantly you have to go out you have to face different armies different opponents and you have to lose importantly and it's what you take from that loss you can be salty about it and just say oh you know it's not my fault it was the dice it was the list it was the terrain it was this that and the other but 
really it's not it's you it's how you use your army how well you know your army and how well you know your opponent's army that wins or loses the game that's that's something that i have strongly taken away with me from this event i can trace back thinking back i can trace back to all the points in those games which i should have done differently so i'm learning more about my movement i'm learning more about my enemy um, my opponents, the lists and the armies that they're taking. So really positive, even though I, I went to two wins, three losses, it's still a, a win in my eyes because I'm now a better Custodes player. Um, so no complaints. The event itself was awesome. Really enjoyed myself. My hotel was fantastic, you know, loved it. And I am planning on going back again next year, obviously more prepared, hopefully by in a year's time. And, you know, we're looking forward to our event this Sunday at Factorum. We've got an RTT to go to, a one-dayer. Are you coming to that, Jamie, or is it just Jack and I? I am, yes. I'll be there, mate. Just, okay, you're there. Just so submitted there's... my list this evening. Yeah. Very nice. So we've got a full crumpled dice-trying representation on that. And then the week yeah. weekend after that, we have got the South Coast Super Major, which is just... Jack and I, I think, go into that yeah, one. Yeah, you're, so, on, you're on your toes for that one, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's all about it's all about getting the practice in, isn't it? And that's the whole point. We're not professional players. We don't know what we're doing half the time. So <laughs> we're we're here to learn and hopefully pass it on to you guys, the listeners. I do think you're right, though. Going to these big tournaments, you do get that opportunity to play into harmonies that you don't locally. Because if you think about it, your local matter. If everybody sticks with roughly the same armies, because you know we don't all have ten armies, um, you kind of uh, <laughs> don't laugh, Jack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> foul, foul on nine armies. Um, yeah, you are. You know, you don't have that luxury of being able to play into these different armies. So, how do you get that experience? Well, you go to these events where someone's running something you've never faced. You know, I faced Imperial agents, Death Guard. You know, for the first time in 10th, I've never faced Imperial agents. Um, you know, it's it's crazy, like, the amount of reps. And I've never faced Chaos Space Marines. Um, I've never faced Custodes at a competitive level. So, you know, I've had one rep into you, Ross, I think, maybe two. I It's just, it's just mad that like, you can just get so much of a broader spectrum of the game go into these events yeah definitely so that's definitely my take home from it we've uh, and we've got a good bunch of guys from the local store coming to the factorum rtt i think maybe two or three of them it might be their first ever non-store rtt so it's really nice to see the community locally i think maybe growing confidence or starting to go further afield with the tournaments and um i hope that that, that, that only grows and so i hope that we're having maybe some kind of impact on the people that are listening in terms of getting out there and maybe trying their first tournaments. Certainly, I think our goal is to, is to continue to grow. You know, if you, if you can chuck us a follow, that's great. I think uh, when we were at the beachhead and uh, we put the episode out, I think the day before we went to the beachhead, our, our followers grew by 30 or 40. And uh, the, the impact it had on both Ross and I, the, uh, the happiness it brought us was, was really odd, actually. But it was really nice. So, um Look, if you, if you go and chuck us a follow, help us continue to grow. 
it will keep us motivated to keep keep pumping these out. You know, we're going to an RTT this weekend and it would be cool to, to do another episode just reviewing how those three games went. Mm, yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd definitely be happy to be part of that, guys. Thanks very much. Oh, you're not invited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be saying that if I smash you on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I... Uh, so guys yeah thank you for listening we really appreciate your uh, especially if you got to the end because if you haven't got to the end you're not even hearing this but if you are listening still uh you are the vip of our podcast thank you so much for listening and you can catch us all in the next one so take it easy and have a good morning day or evening wherever you are but i managed to get my solitaire i just I love that please jack yeah jack jack I'm getting I'm I'm getting a lot of heavy breathing into a microphone. I don't know if that's you, Jamie. That is Jamie, it's mm. not me. Can you stop breathing so loudly into your microphone, please? <laughs> Don't worry. Okay, sorry. Sorry, Jack. Carry on.